sad thing is some of you actually wrote down that website. And you're like, man, I'm going to find the, find the love of my life. Um, hey, uh, I'm Pastor Chris. Welcome to Coastal. Uh, glad to have you with us today. Hey, uh, before we really get started today, I, I really want to speak into uh, kind of a controversial issue and, and uh, really just want to clear up all the confusion and just uh, let's just be honest with each other as much as we can right now this morning. Uh, everybody look up here if you would just for a moment. Um, if, you're, if you're staring up here, let, let me just clear up the confusion. I am wearing a white and gold shirt. And um, if you see black and blue, uh, something's wrong with your brain. There's a switch that needs to be flipped. You'll probably become a serial killer because this is white and cold. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, wake up. There's such a thing called the Internet. And um, anyway... um, We're glad that you're here today. Uh, Last week, we kicked off uh, this series, Happily Ever After, uh, with a question mark. um, By going all the way back to the very first relationship uh, in in history, looking at some of the foundational biblical uh, principles for relationships by talking about Adam and Eve. Today, we're going to talk about dating Dating. Now, let me say this as we begin. I know that there are those of you who are here today, and uh, you're in a dating relationship, and you're like, "Woo! This is great! Finally, they recognize me." You know, I'm dating. Um, I also rec- I also realize that there are those of you here, here today who are married, uh, and you're thinking to yourself, "Oh, great! I came to church, and they're going to talk about dating. I should have stayed home." Um, uh, or you're here. And uh, you're not married, and you're not in a dating relationship, and you see no hope on the horizon whatsoever, uh, and you're just hoping you can meet the person three rows behind you um, before the service is over. No, seriously, and you're thinking, man, great. I came to church today. They were talking about a date. I already feel terrible about myself. Now I'm going to feel even worse. Okay, so I know there's a bunch of different things going on in the room. So let me just say from the outset, no matter your circumstance, your situation in life, I want to encourage all of us not to check out today because regardless of your circumstance, there are some principles today that we're going to talk about that are actually going to be relevant to everybody. Whether you're married, you're single, single again, you are dating, you're not dating, it really doesn't matter. I want to look at uh, some principles today that I think are going to apply to all of us. Now, let's go back where we started last week at Psalm 144, verse 7. Uh, The Bible says, reach down from heaven and rescue me. Deliver me from deep waters. There are few waters as deep and as treacherous, treacherous and confusing and, and full of potential hurt as a dating relationship. Would you agree with that? That's true, isn't it? Now, because when you're dating somebody, you know, you're trying to get to know them and you're trying to decide, is, hey, is this relationship that I'm in right now, is it worth the investment? Uh, am I going to invest further in this relationship or am I going to dump this loser, okay? That's kind of what's going on in the beginning. And, and although the Bible doesn't specifically use the word uh, dating, the Bible does share, share with us, I think, some very important principles of what to use, what to look for in a potential uh, spouse. Uh, some things that we need to know on the, on the front side and apply if we're going to receive God's very best for our relationships. 
because that's what God wants, right? After all, he wants the best for you. So if God wants the very best for us, then what is God's, you know, kind of basic minimum biblical standard for dating? Let me just say this on the outset. Here we go. Write this down. Only date if there is a match of faith. Only date if there is a match of faith. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Now, I understand on the outset that is a difficult passage to think about for those of you who are in a dating relationship or have been there, done that, and already made some mistakes in this area. Because when God talks about only dating someone where there's a match of faith. He is not doing that to be harsh. He's not doing that to make you miserable. He's not doing that to cut the dating pool in half. He is doing that because he wants the best for you. Now, the Bible is, is clear, and I would also say that experience shows us, and I've seen this over the years, that if two people get married and they don't have that common faith, conflict and confusion is going to come. And it's going to be there throughout the marriage because here's what happens. If you're a follower of Jesus, you understand, and Michael talked about this this morning, talking about worship, you understand that God is at the center of your life. You put him first. And so then God's will becomes your number one priority in your life. And it becomes your number one priority for how you, you know, in all areas, how you manage your, your time, how you manage your money, how you raise your children, how you treat other people. Now, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're married to somebody who is, there's going to be a lot of times where those priorities are not going to make a lot of sense. And so there will be, there will be confusion. There will be conflict. Now, I know that, that, is, that that's really tough for some of you because you may be in a relationship right now. And the truth is, that person's not a believer. Now, if you are a believer, you do not, trust me, want to end up in a marriage with a spouse who won't pray with you. You know, who, who won't go to church with you, who won't worship with you, who won't, you know, raise your children. Oh, but they say it doesn't matter, you know, they, you can raise our kids however you want to. Are you serious? I mean, that's what you want? Do you think that's God's best for you? You know, with a spouse who won't support you spiritually, with a spouse who doesn't see God's word as the blueprint for your life. Now, I know as I say all that, some of you are in that situation, and I'm not meaning to say that today to heap, you know, guilt on you, because I think if you were up here, you'd say the same thing, how, you, how the desire of your heart is to share that with your spouse. So, as we begin today, I just want to challenge you to set your standard high and to make your priority to only date someone if there is a match for faith, because God wants the very best for your life, and I know that's what you want too. Now, once you begin dating somebody, and uh, you know they meet that minimum basic standard, they're followers of Jesus, there are some other important questions you need to consider before giving your heart away. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Because just because somebody claims to be a follower of Jesus, just because they claim to be a Christian, that doesn't mean that they're the right person for you to date. You know, it doesn't, it's, it's not like a check where you go, whew, okay, they're safe, I can date that person. No, there's a lot of crazy people out there who claim to be 
Christians. I mean, just from the video, right? I mean, there's some wag jobs out there, some weird people who claim to be Christians. In fact, some of whom you should not be dating. Okay. In fact, listen to 1 Corinthians 5.11. Listen to this. What I meant was that you are not to associate with anybody who claims to be a Christian and yet indulges in these things. Now, that would never happen, would it? Somebody in the dating scene claiming to be a Christian and yet indulging in these things? Never. Okay, here we go. I'm being sarcastic. Um, uh, who indulges in sexual sin? That wouldn't happen, would it? I love Jesus, but baby, come on. No, you know, they, they, come on. That, that would never happen today, right? Or who is greedy or who worships idols. In other words, who puts anything in their life ahead of God um, or who is abusive. You know, who has a short fuse, has a temper. Uh, what about this next one? Has a problem with alcohol. Again, he says, don't even associate with people who claim to be believers and yet who is a drunk, who is a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. Now, I know you're thinking to yourself, Pastor Chris, you have now cut the dating pool by like 90%. Okay, well, it's not me. This is what God's word says. If you want God's best for you. Is that person, do they share the same intensity of belief that I do? And are they, a, are they someone who claims to be a Christian and yet indulges in these things? If, if so, then stay away from that person. Now, again, why? Well, because God's interested in your heart. He cares about what happens to you. You know, he doesn't want to see you have your heart broken time and time and time again. Proverbs 4.23, in fact, says this. Above all else, guard your pocketbook, for it is the wellspring of life. Okay, what does it say? Guard your, your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So here's what we're going to do today. I want us to look at six questions that I think can help you guard your heart. So that you can avoid a lot of the heartache that so many people run into today in dating. And so much, so much in, a, in dating relationships. Now, the six questions that we're going to look at come from one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many times we refer to this as the love chapter of the Bible. Say that with me, the love chapter. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, this chapter, this portion of, of Scripture is probably read at more weddings than any other passage in the Bible. In fact, raise your hand this morning if it, in, during your wedding, the pastor or somebody read this passage, 1 Corinthians 13. Anybody, raise your hand. Okay, like nobody in the first, I was like, man, y'all a bunch of heathens in the first service. Like, nobody had scripture read, I guess. Anyway, um, so listen, here's the deal. You cannot wait to apply what this passage has to say about love until the day of your wedding. Okay, in other words, what I'm going to talk about now is something that you need to start understanding and applying now. Do not wait until you're married to start looking at what is love. Because if you do not see these traits and what, what we're going to be talking about in the person that you are dating early on in the relationship, you are not going to see them in marriage. Okay? People do not drastically change when they get married. 
Now, I, I, I'm not saying people don't change. We be, I mean, that's what we believe in, right? We believe in the power of change, the power of the gospel of Jesus to change people, the power of the resurrection. However, follow me just for a second. For the most part, what happens is that the person you are dating in the dating phase, their character, who they are, it really is just magnified when they get married, when you get married, good or bad. Does that make sense? Again, what you're seeing now in a dating relationship, those traits, those characteristics really are just magnified when you get married. So my point is, you got to start looking for these things early on. Do not wait until you're married. So if you're, in a, if you're in a dating relationship, you're single this morning, over the next several minutes, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to back away from your relationship just for a little bit emotionally, just detach a little bit, and be honest. Be brutally honest with yourself about this relationship, and uh, I'm going to give you, I call this balcony time. Kind of step up, get in the balcony from the top and look down, take an honest look at your relationship. And as I ask, as we ask these six questions, I want you to ask yourself, is my dating relationship going in the right direction? Am I with the person that is God's best for my life? Because again, God wants the best for you. Now, if you are here today and you're not in a dating relationship, you don't even see the potential on, your, on the horizon, that's okay. Just, you know, file these questions away because it's going to be important at some point in your life to discern whether or not this is the person God has for you. Now, if you're married, and I know there's a lot of uh, married folks here, here at Coastal, here's what I want you to do. Don't check out. We're going to use these questions as a thermometer for your relationship. Because you've already found Mr. Right, right? Right, right? Mrs. Right, you've already found that person. And so I want you to use these questions as a thermometer. And just say, okay, hey, is, is our marriage on the right course? Is it possible that I need to make some mid-course corrections in our relationship? Okay, and I'm going to help you do that. Question number one, here we go. Is this relationship moving too fast? Is this relationship moving too fast? Now, I know that right there, it doesn't sound like it applies to married people. Hold on to the end and it will. But we all agree, I think, that we live in a culture that is, that is moving lightning fast speed. Now, your relationship, however, might be one area where it is critical that you slow down just a little bit. And what I mean by this is, ask yourself this question. Are you giving this relationship enough time to move naturally? Or are you trying to manipulate it? Are you trying to speed things up constantly to keep in step with the pace of the world? Now, here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. Three words. Love is what? Patient. Love is patient. Um, in fact, listen again to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to the, this passage, this whole passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude or self-seeking. 
It's not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never, what? Fails. Now, the Bible says, first of all, love is patient. Now, before you dismiss those words, those are actually three very powerful, powerful words. Let me give you three ways in your relationship that you might need to evaluate whether or not you're being patient, okay? Three ways. Now, these aren't in your notes, so just write these off to the side or down below underneath this question. The first one is, love is patient relationally. Relationally. When you meet someone for the very first time, that is not the right time to say, hey, how many kids do you want in marriage? Okay, slow down a little bit, Tiger, okay? You know, like, like maybe get their name first, okay? Um, you know, or, you know, do you, wanna, do you want a honeymoon in Tahiti or Tahoe? You know, no, okay? Slow down. Take a deep breath. Slow down relationally. Be patient. Number two, secondly, love is also patient emotionally. Now go back to that verse in Proverbs where it says, above else guards your what? Your heart. Now what in the world does that mean? Guard your heart. Let me see if I can explain. When, uh, when our daughter Lydia was, was much younger, um, she was talking to a boy, and uh, Janet said, now Lydia, be careful. You haven't given your heart away yet, have you? And Lydia responded, don't worry, Mommy, I haven't. It's in a lockbox underneath Daddy's pillow, and, um, which is where every little girl's heart belongs until they're about 35, by the way. So... Um, <laughs> But, but love is patient emotionally. How, you know, how quickly are you trying to, you know, do you give away your heart to somebody? Slow down. You know, by the way, that's, that's why it's important to find out whether or not, not just are they a believer, but is it their faith yet? You know, have they owned their faith? But if you, you don't notice that or see that if you're giving away your heart so quickly. Number three, love is also patient uh, physically. Physically. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, 6.18. Run away from sexual sin. Now notice it doesn't say run away from sex. Uh, It says run away from sexual sin. In fact, again, we talked about this last week a little bit. Uh, The Bible clearly teaches that when you're married, you ought to run toward sex. Okay? In other words, God created sex. He's pro-sex, which I tell my wife all the time. God is pro-sex, right? If we're going to obey God, Janet, we need sex right now. Um... (laughs) But so, but but think with me just for a moment. Let, let's let's draw like an imaginary uh, physical uh, kind of a tension line. We might call it a little string here, a little line. Uh, we'll go from one to ten, and at this end over here, you know, you might have holding hands. Maybe that's number one. Okay, number two might be hugging, and number three is kissing, and way over here at number ten is uh, sexual intercourse. Now, back here, again, let's go back to one. You know, again, there's the, you know, holding hands and hugging and then kissing, which, you know, there's a whole world of kissing, right? I mean, there's, we, we probably have to define our terms there because there's a whole world of, of kissdom. You know, there, there's the, uh, the simple kiss, you know, the, the kiss on the cheek. I mean, the kiss that, you know, you'd feel comfortable uh, with, with grandma, right? And then, then there's the, the prolonged kiss, which might make grandma uncomfortable, um, unless you're from Tennessee, and then there's uh, so, anyway. Sorry if you're from Tennessee, um, but but here's my point: 
when you're dating somebody and you're hanging out like in one, two, and three area, every time you come back together, all of a sudden it doesn't feel like one and two as exciting as it was before. And then, you know, then when you start out, you no longer start out at one, but you're at three. And then when you're at three, you want to move really quickly to four and five. And if you're a guy, you want to go from like three to six to 12, okay? Um, and then all of a sudden, though, here's the deal. The relational side, the caring side, the communication side, all of that takes a back seat. And, and you're focusing now on the physical side. And you talk less. And again, God wants you to have a healthy relationship. And the best way to do that is to be patient. Now, if you're married, that might seem like it has nothing to do with you. But let's just, let's just back up for a second, and let me ask the married couples here today. Are you patient? You know, or is it time for a, a mid-course correction for you? Have you become maybe a little too demanding with your spouse? You know, parents, are you patient with your children? Husbands, wives, are you patient with one another, realizing that, you know, this person isn't perfect, but neither are you. Love is patient. Question number two, is this person kind? And we'll kind of pick up a little bit. I'm going to give you some, uh, uh, some tests to help test these things. Love is love, is this person kind? Now, I don't mean whether or not this person knows good manners, but what I'm talking about here is what's going on in their heart. Because again, the Bible says love is patient and then love is kind. Now, here's a good way to, to gauge this. I call this the out in public test. This person that you're potentially are going to spend the rest of your life with, as you date them, how does that person treat people out in public? How do they treat the waiter at the restaurant? Or the cashier at the grocery store? Or here's a good one, the clerk at the DMV. Is this person kind? In other words, it doesn't matter if they're whispering sweet nothings in your ear, but if they are unkind to people out in the community, I guarantee you that will be magnified when you're married. Now, if you are married, let me ask you, are you kind? Are you kind to your husband? Are you kind to your wife? You know, kindness is, is those little things, those simple, small things that you do consistently over time. Or have you stopped doing those little acts of kindness toward one another? Kindness also comes out in the way you speak to one another, the tone of your voice. Are you kind? Question number three. Here's the third way to avoid a dating disaster or to build your relationship. Is this person a teammate? A teammate. Again, look, listen again to what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Remember, look back there on your outline. Love does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Now that's a lot, but now look at those same phrases and break them down relationally. Let, let's break them down, okay? Love, love does not envy. Well, love, that means never being satisfied with what you have bragging, always having to one-up another person, pride, rude behavior, 
always having to have your own way, having a short fuse, keeping score. Now, what are all those a sign of? Selfishness, selfishness. It's all about me, not, not we. Now, here's, here's how to evaluate that. Let me give you a test for this one. I call it the pronoun test. When issues come up in your relationship, does the other person always use you all the time? Use the word you, like you always, you never, why don't you? Or is it the word we? You know, we need to, or I need to, or why don't we, or we can get through this. Which word do you use? Competitors fight one another. Nothing wrong with being a competitive person by nature, but is this person, do they have the ability to be a good teammate? Because teammates work together. They look out for the, the good of the team. Now, if you're married, rate yourself on that one. You know, do you work well with your spouse? You know, maybe not, you know, at work, your vocation, but what about projects around the home? Do you play well together? Do you serve well together? Or is it always feel like it's a competition? What kind of teammate are you? You know what? If you're married, you ought to be your spouse's best cheerleader. You ought to be the person who roots on your, your husband or your wife. So rate yourself if you're married on that one. Question number four, uh, is this a person of integrity? A person of integrity. The Bible says love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the what? With the truth. With the truth. Now, in this area, you don't have to do a whole lot except to watch and listen. Is this person, the person that you are in a dating relationship, are they saying and doing the same things that he or she says they say or do? Are they a person of integrity? Here's an easy test for this one. Call it the refund test. You know, we've all had this. You, you, you're out and about in the world, and you're paying for something, and uh, you're purchasing something for $10, but the cashier gives you change as though it were $20. Is this person's first response, woohoo, praise the Lord, right, woo, he gave us some money. If that's their first response, you're with the wrong person. You want the person who will what? Give it back. You say, oh, come on, Pastor Chris, that's such a small thing. It's such a little thing. What's the big deal? Listen, character is made up of small things, little things. Who that person is when nobody else is really watching, that's who they really are. And I guarantee you, listen to me, if you are single, it will be magnified when you're married. That doesn't mean you have to live a perfect life. But what I'm saying is deep down in their heart is their desire to follow God. If you're married, you know, evaluate maybe more yourself in this one. Are you someone who has maybe let the little things slide a little bit? And you're not as truthful as you once were, and you're you kind of exaggerate a little bit. Don't tell the whole truth. Evaluate yourself. Guess what? April 15th is just around the corner. Are you a person of integrity? Question number five. Is this person a quitter? 
This is important. Is this person a quitter? In other words, is this a person who would give up on a relationship when the going gets tough? And guys, listen to me. The going will get tough. The going will get tough. Is this a person who would quit on things if they don't go as exactly like you would want them to go? Because 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love perseveres. You know, um, I love it. I do a lot of weddings today, and it's really nice and sweet when people write their own vows. But I do think there's something important about having in your vows that, you know, you're going to love one another in, you know, rich or poor in what? Sickness and in health. And will this person love you when things get really difficult? Will you love them? Because true love, again, works through the tough times. Love doesn't give up. And what's amazing to me in this is that God models this for us. Because the truth is, everybody here in this room, if we're all honest, we've all turned our back on God. We've all quit on God. We've all, you know, walked away from him. We've all disappointed him. But get this, God never stops loving us. He never quits on us. So the question to ask if you're getting serious with somebody is, does this person have a forever view of marriage. In other words, if you were to marry this person, do they understand that divorce is not an option? You know, would they understand that marriage is forever and once you're married, there's no backing out? Man, you, you do not want to give your heart over to somebody who would bail at the first sign of trouble when the going gets tough. You know, somebody you couldn't trust to be there in the thick and thin of a relationship. Make sure they have that. Make sure they have that forever commitment. Now, if you are here today and you are married, here's my challenge to you. Take some time this week. It doesn't have to be a, a big, you know, elaborate thing at all. But just take some time this week to reaffirm your commitment to your spouse. You know, set aside some time to tell your spouse, I'm in it forever. I am all in for all time. And that no matter what happens in your relationship, let them know that you're not going to quit. You might be in a difficult time right now. Maybe problems, you're in the middle of it. Fights will come. But let your spouse know that you are not a quitter and you will not quit on them. And let me give you some words of wisdom here. Stop joking about divorce. That's not a joke. Don't use that in a fight. Don't threaten that. And how dare you do that in front of your children? Unstable relationships produce insecure children. And you, you play a part in that. So stop it. Now, this last question. It's probably the most important question, but it's not a question, listen, if you're single, that you ask of that person. It's a question you need to direct to yourself. And it's for all of us today. Question number six, is God the first love of my life? Is God the first love of my life? Now for a moment, I want you to think about all the things in your life that are important. All the things that you enjoy, all the things that you love. You know, the person you're dating. Your spouse, your kids, your parents, your job, your friends, your, some of your possessions and your hobbies, all the things that you enjoy, that you possibly love. Think about all those things. Now, 
does God take the first place? Because verse 8 of 1 Corinthians says that love never fails. Love never fails. And that's true, but only if you've made God the very first love of your life. If you've put him at the center of your life. Because you see, when you make God not the person that you're dating, you know, not your spouse, when you put God at the very center of your life and you give him your heart, what God promises to do is that he will bring into your life everything that you need. And he'll bless all the other parts of your life. In fact, I love the way Jesus said it in Matthew 6. Listen to this. He said, your heavenly father already knows all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day if, listen to this, you live for him and you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Notice the word there, primary. Now here's the truth. If you or I put anyone or anything ahead of God in our life, and you give that thing or that person or that hobby or that stuff your top priority. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's a wonderful person, if it's you know the most godly person that you know. If you put that person at the center of your life, then God cannot, according to his word, bless that relationship. In fact, he will remove his blessing from that relationship even if it's with a godly person. If you put that relationship and you give it priority over him, the Bible calls that idolatry. If you do that with your job, with your hobbies, with your stuff, he cannot bless that area of your life. So here's the principle. If you want your relationship to succeed, Instead of always looking for Mr. Right and searching for Mrs. Right, the, the principle is you be Mr. Right. You be Miss Right, and you put God at the center. The very best thing you could do for a relationship is to relegate that person to number two. And you put God as number one, the top priority of your life. And listen, some of you are here today and you desperately want that you desperately want a relationship that god could bless you want that forever love that that long-term commitment you want that 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 best that god has for you listen the starting place for that is to to give your life to christ that's where it begins and if you've not done that you can't have that that is the way it works and so my challenge to you today is why not do that today? Why not start there? God so desperately wants to love you. He wants you to love him. He loves you and he wants you to love him back. You can, you can begin that relationship today. And it's as simple and as beautiful as a prayer. Here's what we're going to do. I want to close. I want to pray for our relationships here today. I want to pray for our single adults, for our marriages. But I also want to pray for those of you who are ready to cross that line of faith and to become a follower of Jesus and to make Christ the very center of your life. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for your word. God, I thank you. You know, so often we, we just confuse things and muddy things when it comes to relationships. And the truth is, it's, it's fairly simple and fairly clear in your word. Father, the truth is, we've all made mistakes, though, in this area. We all need your grace, and we need your forgiveness. We are all just broken sinners at the foot of the cross. 
Father, thank you for forgiving us and giving us mercy in this area. Father, today I want to pray for those who are single, who are looking for this relationship, looking for this type of commitment, this, this relationship that we talk about here. And um, Father, I pray first and foremost they would become uh, the person, the people that you've called them to be. That they would put you right at the center of their life and their heart, make you number one. And Father, then I pray they would simply look to your word, be patient, and uh, follow the principles that we've talked about this morning. Father, I pray for the marriages that are here today and that you would simply strengthen and, and just uh, maybe there would be a, a recommitment among, among married couples here today. For those who, who need help, I pray they would, they would look for it. And I pray they know that they could find it here, they could find it in your word, find it among other Christian people. Maybe you're here today and you've never yet given God first. You've never given your life over to Him. Why not do it today? Just pour your heart out to Him in a prayer and say, Father, I want to come home. I want you to be the center of my life. I believe. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to this earth as a sacrifice for my, my sin. Father, that's what I am. I've blown it in more times than I can count compared to you, not anyone else, not friends or family or neighbors or coworkers, but compared to you, I have blown it. And it's that sin that put your son Jesus on that cross. Today, I believe that not only did he die for me, but three days later, he rose from the dead and he is alive. And because I put my faith and trust in him and him alone, I am adopted into your forever family, and one day I will rise to live with you forever as well. Thank you. For the rest of my days, Father, I just want to live for Jesus and become more and more like you see me today. Brand new, forgiven, clean. Thank you, Father. Thank you. God, we love you. I thank you today for your word and for all the relationships that are represented here today. May we put you right at the center of everything. And as we give you our hearts, as we protect and guard our heart, I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts and our relationships to those around us and that you would bless them. We love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.